It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Like Josh just said, I am Tyler. That is Smitty. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias. It is at Around the 412 as well. And you know what? Shout out to Smitty's new podcast with Alan Saunders of Steel- Pittsburgh Steelers Now. Um, check that out. It's called Steelers Afternoon Drive. You can find that on YouTube. And it's, is it on listening platforms as well? It is. It is now. Today was the first day that it's been available on Spotify and Apple and iHeart and all that stuff. Yeah, that's going to be a, as far as I know, I mean, you could talk to a better daily show about the about the Steelers I, um, Monday me, through Friday. Let me just, as long as you're okay with this, let me just give the people a brief preview here of what we're looking at. For sure. So that's our logo. Shout out to Dylan Winters for the logo. And then uh, Joe Staggerwald, who does a ton of stuff with the site uh, in general, kind of like the do it all guy. That's actually his band playing that song. Um, oh, really? Very, that's, that's very cool. renegade type song. If you've heard the full, uh, if, if I play the full version for you, it's like almost two minutes long, the actual full version. So very cool. Um, but yeah, Alan and I have been talking about doing something for, I think like two ish years. So to finally be able to like actually make come to fruition and it'd be about the Steelers specifically is great. So Monday through Friday, um, just it depends on like when the Steelers practice and stuff. Typically we get the podcast and, and show up between five and six. So uh daily show talking about the Steelers. Like and subscribe over there at, at Steelers Now and Pittsburgh Steelers Now and check out the the site where him and Nick and all the other people have great coverage of the team. But yeah, and like I said uh, before that, go follow us at, at Around the 4 and 2 for all of our personal stuff. Um, that That's on YouTube as well. Go subscribe there. Leave a five-star review, all this that good stuff. Um, and then go check out the links that we're going to continue to push. We've been doing it for a while, but especially now we have our Rocket Around the 412 campaign um, where the, for the past five years, we've been able to help uh, dozens of families and, and dozens of kids in, in support of Christmas because Smitty and I, we never really had to worry about where our Christmas was coming from. So we started this mission several years ago as a way to give back to children in our local 412-724 area code. Um, and as well, that we partnered with them last year. We're going to continue to do so this year. Um, the Salvation Army in Rochester, PA. We're going to continue to part with, partner with them to adopt children from their angel tree. That way we can provide children Christmas from there as well, as well as the additional individual families that we get from um, either people we know in the community or uh, like we've tried to mention as well. And people, I don't know if you'll forget or they just don't really think they should. You can nominate people, if, it, if in, whether it is yourself or someone you know. If there's someone that you feel like there is someone of need this this upcoming Christmas time, I know it seems like it's crazy. It's August. We're talking about Christmas, but it gets here quicker than you think. So if yeah. there's anybody that you can know of, feel free to shoot us a DM or a text or anything and and, and uh, nominate a family to be to be helped out this Christmas and we'll, we'll, we'll try to help them the best that we can. Um, there were a couple new donators. Uh, you know, it's not just yeah. Mike on his own now. So mm-hmm. shout out to Andrew, uh, pens eight, seven, one on Twitter. That's how I know him as, but, uh, <laughs> right. he, helped, he, he was a big contributor last year. I think last year was like the first year that he really kind of found us. Um, as you can tell penguins fan so that's probably more so what he's here for than anything but he's a all he's a fan of all pittsburgh teams i believe uh and then carol one of my favorite people from twitter who i've had the pleasure of meeting at several steelers games um donated as well so starting to grow a little bit i think people are are catching on to the the fact that the mission is going that's i guess i don't want to say there's any downside to starting it early because it just means people can get their eyes and ears on it as early as possible but i don't think it's like on a lot of people's minds yet so which is fine we know that the donations are going to come and you guys are going to support us like you have in the past so no problem there but yeah check it out uh as tyler mentioned with um the east rochester salvation army i keep forgetting to mention this don't know that how many people that watch or listen to the show are really like in our area anyway but they're gonna be having a back to school event on august 19th it's during the day i know like people's first thought might be oh i don't even know if people like think of this right away the steelers do have a preseason game that day um but it, that's at night so if you are in the area and would 
want to come out help out i know that they're looking for some people to to stuff the backpacks and stuff like that i will be there during the day so uh have that going on on august 19th i'll try to get like just so you guys have an idea of the type of stuff that they do i'll try to get some pictures if that's cool with them and let you guys know i think Derek moy is going to be there uh rochester dude former pittsburgh Steeler. people might recognize that name um but yeah so should be a cool event kind of leading into the holiday season dope yeah that's awesome uh all right let's talk about the Steelers I guess first and foremost when it comes to the actual sports stuff that we're going to talk about this show five and a half minutes in um camp well underway at this point we've actually got a couple padded practices to talk about now and um I was just talking with Alan about it like the veterans of the team really and I get it because like the rookie class is so exciting and we'll get there and talk about them in a second but Alan and I were talking today it's like kind of weird that like no one's really talking about you know Cam Hayward this year no one's really talking about like, Patrick Peterson and Camp Isaac Samal these guys are just going about their business being you know the really good players and veterans that they are they're just not creating a ton of buzz like all the talk is about George Pickens and Joey Porter Jr year two Kenny Pickett like those are the headlines um I brought it up on here, so I was glad to be like almost vindicated with Alan talking about it too. Patrick Peterson for the defense, and I think you talked about Patrick Peterson's side. I talked about the Allen Robinson side. It's almost mm-hmm. like Steelers perfectly put this in place to have these young players and these like vets kind of like come in to be their mentors all at the same time. Like you have Allen Robinson for George Pickens. You have Patrick Peterson for Joey Porter Jr. I know that it's a garden to tackle, but you have Isaac Samalo for Broderick Jones. Like they just, they went about this just checking boxes and getting a veteran player to kind of pair with their young player. Yeah. Um, And you know, that's a really smart move. And the one thing that is like, the caveat that we're not even mentioning when we talk about something like that is like, these aren't just veterans that you're bringing in to have a veteran presence and not really have a presence on the field too. Like these are guys that we're still expecting to have key roles in this season. And they're still being in that mentor role. I think that that's a key part is not only are they going to be valuable and what they can bring in, in the veteran presence to the rookies and the second year guys, but you also have guys that we're talking about that are, going to be continuing to play at a high level um like that's what we expect from Patrick Peterson I mean Allen Robinson I I, I don't know that we're expecting him to be like wide receiver one or two but we, we're expecting him to play a lot of snaps and be a key role in the offense still um and then Isaac Samalo like he's going to be the starting left guard so I I think that you're you're the guys you're talking about they're unique in the sense that they're they're not just on the team and they're one of the old guys and they're just they're trying to mentor the young guys while they're sitting on the bench. They are also going to be playing. And I think that's a unique situation to what the Steelers have. Um, and I think that's great. I, I I can't really think of a lot of Steelers teams in recent memory where you've had a lot of veteran guys coaching up these young guys. It, it's, it seems yeah. like the, the veteran guys or the, the guys that we're talking about are the only guys playing. We don't really have either a lot of young guys playing, or if we do have young guys playing, they don't really have a lot of mentorship above them and they're just kind of thrown into it. So this is pretty unique situation that the Steelers find themselves in um, just because in recent memory, I can't really recall any situations where you've had that. I think this is the best blend of a team that the Steelers have had in terms of the amount of youth with the amount of veterans that they have on the team. I mean, even like, like you look at how young the offense is and it's really like Allen Robinson's like the elder statesman. Everybody else is super young. And even those young players, though, they have a ton of experience. You know, it's pretty crazy to think about. We're talking about Deontay Johnson going into year four or five, 19, 20, 21, 20. Yeah, year five, five. for him. <laughs> I mean, where the time like, go? Yeah. And he's not like a super old dude, but like, he, you know, he's the. Well, obviously, other than Allen Robinson, he's one of the elder statesmen on the offense. In terms of like playing and and, and snaps that he's had on the field and experience, Mm -hmm. like he is the veteran presence of that offense, especially in the wide receiver room. Right. So, I mean, and then I I get on the defensive side, they obviously have a little bit more, you know, Cam Hayward's on that side of the ball. TJ Watt's now been around for a long time going into his seventh season. 2017 Um, flew flown by. Yeah. Um, So, you know, a lot of a lot of youth, but also a lot of uh, experience. So I think they really just have like the perfect blend. And Alan was talking about this too. So there are definitely a lot of valid criticisms of Mike Tomlin. And, you know, I I think that we're well aware of them and we, we openly talk about them, but 
he right now is just firing on all cylinders. Like the way that's the way that Allen put it. Like he is really relishing in this in terms of the team that he has there, just taking it in stride. The fact that there are no, you know, headaches right now at camp. Like these guys, like I want to talk about the battles that we've seen between Joey Porter Jr. and George Pickens, where it seems like they're about to fist fight and then the play's over. And that's it. Like then they like hug and call each other their brother. Like or they'll, they'll talk about it. Like oh, that's my brother. Like the, the he has created the perfect competitive culture there. While you know having those guys go out there and compete, play to the whistle, the whistle, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Then they're teammates. I mean, I'm. I know that we're only a few days into padded practices here. A lot of things can change. Maybe those two will get into a fist fight at some point. I don't know, but just. The way that things have started out here at training camp, I, I don't know what more you, you could ask for. I mean, you're looking for some hope going into the 2023 season. It's all there for you. Everything is there. Well, from a from a team mentality, I don't think you could ask for anything else than what you've gotten so far. And we talked about it, was it last week when we were opening up camp, how weird it is from our perspective that we have no drama and that it's, it's pretty – pretty refreshing to have that imagine being Tomlin and how he feels about that like you don't have any headaches as of right now in your locker room you don't have any drama you don't have anybody holding out I'm I'm sure from a head coach perspective that is especially from Tomlin like what he's had to deal with over a lot of his career certain players he's he's got to love it he (laughs) it's like a breath of fresh air for him um in, in this this scenario going into this year and yeah, I, I think the mentality of this team is really unique to this year for the Steelers because I can't, I don't really remember a a season. This I mean, we're talking about preseason and training camp, but I don't really remember a season where there was this much competitiveness, but so much what feels like respect and love amongst the teammates as well. Like it just, it feels like from top to bottom, this team just feels like one we haven't really seen before. And maybe that has to do with like, there is the, the no drama. There's no individual players like the causing any of that. Um, but I, I, I do think that a lot of it is the players that we've brought in, like the guys we've mentioned. Um, I'm, I'm sure that Allen Robinson, I, I mean, I, I saw on Twitter today that, George Pickens was pretty mad about an offensive pass interference call or something like that, that during during team practice. And yeah. Allen Robinson was the first one to like come over and like talk to him and console him about that and, and and try to try to get his head out of it. And then like what we've, what we've been mentioning with Patrick Peterson coaching up Joey Porter Jr. and that like those are hand in hand for the culture of the team. And so the guys that the Steelers have brought in, they've built a culture from the guys that they brought in that's that's what built the culture not just the the Steelers way itself and not just the coaching staff but you build a lot of what your team's culture is and how how you're going to reflect yourselves about the players you're bringing into your locker room and I think from what we've seen so far is they they've gotten a lot of really good players on the field and also off the field when it comes to what they bring to a locker room and what they bring to coaching up these young players George Pickens was talking about Robinson and he was like, if I'm going to go take a snap in the slot, I talked to Allen before I talked to coach Jackson, who's the wide receivers coach about what I want to do and see what he thinks about it. Like he's another coach basically for those guys yeah. right right now out there, which is awesome. And then you see like, you know, the, the clips of Peterson working with Joey Porter Jr. after practice on some stuff, even let's, let's take it further than guys on the team right now, because we know how, you know, Steelers culture is and just what it means to be a Steeler for life. Ike Taylor being at practice and just starting to work with Joey Porter Jr. after practice. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just it's it's what this team's about and it's why you know it's special to be a Pittsburgh Steeler fan and people shouldn't take it for granted that's another thing Alan was talking about it's just like I don't think people realize whether you like whether it's for you or not and I know that we've you know had discussions about how we feel about like actually going to training camp it's mm-hmm. such a unique thing to Steelers and Steelers fans to have that type of access to people the players their favorite players and be able to have them you know just that accessible to sign autographs and take pictures and they do it like Deontay Johnson spent like an hour after practice signing pictures. Like, yeah, it's, it's unique. And I I think that the players probably realize what it means to the fan base too. Um, Like I, I, they're not dumb. They, they know how much the Steelers mean to them. And I feel like day one, once you get into this organization and you realize that it is different and, and we've talked to players 
and not even really just about the Steelers, but we've talked about to players that have been on this podcast about all three Pittsburgh sports teams. Like there's just a the a sense in the air that is different when you are on a Pittsburgh sports team because of how passionate the city is about those teams but especially the Steelers. So when we're talking about Steelers and training camp, like these guys know what it means. And so that also plays into the culture. The fan base plays into the culture. And it's awesome that the players have that much respect for that fan base to be able to do that. Like Deontay being out there and not even just the players. I mean, you you saw Omar Khan out there signing autographs too. And like we mentioned the other day with uh, yesterday when we were actually on uh, the Yin's Daily podcast, you had mentioned on there. So go check out that out. Um, but like Matt Canada signing a toilet seat, like <laughs> just like playing into that, like joke, like he, he knows that's a joke, but like, he's actually willing to do it sec. anyway. Look. Yes. If you're on the audio, if you're on the audio platform, you can't <laughs> see it, but, uh, you can go check it out on YouTube at the fifth, 16 minute mark. Oh, wait. Um, it, it's, me off it's, it's just so, it's so great to see how much from an organizational level, they they just completely buy into the Steelers culture from even from not just play on the field, not play in the locker room, but like from what the fan base level is and what this team means to the fan base. And you, you like you see this at training camp. That's a perfect example. And like you said, we you and I have our, our opinions on like training camp itself and going to it. But mm-hmm. the, you you can't take away what it means to a lot of people. It might not mean the same thing to us, but you can definitely see it means a lot to be for people to well, go out there and see their favorite players and see them that up close and see the mm-hmm. development of those guys. I mean, it's it's just something that not a lot of other fan bases get to experience. I feel like that, like because you're 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 like right up on them at at, at the trope. So like, it, it, I just feel like you are in a completely what's the right word? I would say. It's more of a romantic atmosphere. I don't know if that's the right yeah. way. It's I mean, of, it's like it's, minor league baseball. That's how I always say about minor yeah. league baseball. It's, I mean, I kind of like to talk about it like for Pittsburgh concerts. It's like it's like being at Stage AA versus being at Heinz Field. It's a completely different feel. Um, and it's, it's it has a more that's a word I could come to, like a more romantic feel to it, intimate. a more intimate feel to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, yeah. I think it would probably, I would feel differently about it. Um, if I was somebody that, you know, could, like if you're somebody that can't go to Steelers games, whether that's like, a can, oh, here we go. Thing. We get the no, season, like, whole season see, holder, season holder even, over here. Shit. Wasn't even going to, wasn't even going to bring up, bring it up. But I'm just saying if you're like, but now that you have <laughs> that aren't able to go to games for whatever reason it might be, whether it be like location, time of year, money, whatever it might be, if they're able to get to training camp, you know, that kind of fills that void. And I also yeah. think like for, for kids, it would be super awesome. So maybe if I would have went when I was younger and like experienced it, then it kind of would have been ingrained in me, yeah. but like, that's who it's really for. I mean, you're well, creating I think we, fans. We said that we said that when we, when we went, like, yeah. it would be different if we grew up going to this because it is mm-hmm. special for kids to be able to experience that. Yeah. Cause they look at, you know, these athletes completely differently at that stage in their life. Like they're like heroes to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, not all good, by the way, in Steelers land. Unfortunately, Corey Trice Jr., seventh round rookie, out for the season before his season even starts. We, we should have known I, after talking about him so much and praising him so much on last yeah, week. I mean, he was the clip. He was going the to teaser. Yeah, he was the teaser for the show. He last was the week. teaser of you talking about him. He was on the thumbnail. We should have known. I mean, we we have this curse for a long time that if we were going to spend this much time talking about a player, hyping him up, that this is going to happen. Um, yeah, that's a shame. Um, this is a guy that if you listen to last week's episode, we talked about him possibly p- playing into the defensive role and having a major impact right away, getting be able to play significant snaps, not just on special teams, but on, on defense. I mean, because we were talking about when you look at the – you got your top three corners and Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter Jr. and Levi Wallace. But after that, I would say Corey Trice probably could have separated himself as the next man up on the outside. So it's a shame that you're not going to be able to get to see that, um, especially for for a guy. And, and like I said, you, you I think you said this whenever you were talking on the episode or the, the show we were on yesterday. Like once a guy is on the field, you kind of like throw out um, – like mm-hmm. where he was drafted and all that sort of stuff. But like with Corey Trice, it's hard for me to do that just because I know where he should have been drafted. And so for the fact that you're able to ha- have get a player like that that late and then for this to happen, I mean, it's it doesn't like kill this 
for this draft class whatsoever because of how good it is, but it does leave a little bruise on it now, and it's a little like heartbreak. It's almost like last year with Calvin Austin. I mean, because Corey Trice might have been a seventh-round pick, but they could have taken him in the fourth, no question, which is where Calvin Austin got picked. And like we were expecting Calvin Austin to to be a contributor in some capacity. I was expecting Corey Trice to be a uh, contributor in some capacity. He was still, as of right now, behind even James Pierre in terms of yeah. where he was at. But, like, you know, he could have leapfrogged for sure. The opportunity was going to be there. He had a strong start to camp. So it's just super unfortunate. And now, I mean, he's already, like, I don't know that they officially said it was a torn ACL because I think it might Tom just said it was a significant knee injury. And it was non-contact, so you can probably guess what that is. He's torn his ACL before. And he also broke his ankle going back to high school. So there's some injury history there. You just kind of start to worry like, okay, now he's going to be going into next year, a seventh round pick, second year player that didn't play at all his rookie year, who has some injury trouble. It's just a shame. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds for him. I'm hoping the best for him. I do think he's in an organization that, you know, kind of tying back to every all the good things we just said about them are going to support him throughout this whole thing and give him an opportunity to to rehabilitate and still you know be a contributor next season but man to lose your entire rookie year i mean it was that's the worst case scenario and it was confirmed i was hoping it was more of just like a a scare that looked a lot worse than what Mm -hmm. it actually was we've seen guys get carted off like ramon foster in past years and then end up you know being fine it was just a scare so Really unfortunate stuff for him. Uh, and also our boy, Alfonso Graham, uh, suffered an injury and then was subsequently waived to open up the roster spot. I I would be surprised if he found his way back to Pittsburgh, unfortunately. Um, you know, next season, I think that's a little bit of a different case than Corey Trice. I don't know what the process is there. I don't know that other teams, you know, are really going to be interested in him. It's just when you're talking about a guy like that where you're competing for a third running back job, um, and now you're going to lose pretty much a year. I don't know if he was going to miss the entire season or what was exactly was going on there, or if it was just like he was, because he said in the tweet about missing the whole season, but I don't mm-hmm. know if that was a thing where like he had already known that the Steelers were going to release or what the, the deal was there. So I don't know that that's officially the case or if he can latch on somewhere else rooting for him. Obviously, I just, I don't think he's going to circle back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And it's just one of those scenarios where you're, you're fighting for RB three and you're clearly fighting for RB three. And I, I think we we both thought that he had a shot to be able to make the team. Um, even if it could have been a long shot, he still had a shot. But it just sucks when whenever you are in his situation where, yeah, the position you're fighting for, it's it's definitely going to be filled now. But I just don't – if there's a way back to Pittsburgh, it is a complicated way. Like I don't think there's an easy way that he could come back even next offseason and try to compete for it again. Um, it's just, well, it's just unfortunate. Too- had he even, had he stayed healthy, he would have had a hard time competing with what Anthony McFarland's done so far. And yeah, that, that's I mean, the thing. There was no guarantee that he would have even made the yeah. team if he had stayed 100% healthy. So it's it's just a tough scenario that he's in. It's it's different than Corey Trice, um, especially like. And I, I said I don't want to bring in like where they were drafted and stuff. But like Alfonso Graham wasn't even drafted; he was undrafted. So mm-hmm. I they, there's there's not as much stock to put into him from the Steelers' perspective. Um, and then I even even with Corey Trice though, it's tough because like when I talk about uh, a player and what they could bring onto the field, you don't want to necessarily bring in the pedigree of like where they were drafted and stuff like that. But it's it's gonna be tough. Like you look at he's he's a seventh round guy, even though he should have been like a a fourth round or higher guy. Like that's if if they eventually cut ties with him. I won't necessarily be that surprised if the, if the Steelers get to that point, just because it is a seventh round pick at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I guess the good news for him is Levi Wallace, Patrick Peterson, potentially Patrick Peterson could have the second year. Levi Wallace for sure. James Pierre, Shannon Sullivan, a lot of their corners are going to be gone after yeah. this year. So, mm-hmm. you know, he still could play a role. We'll see rooting for him, obviously hoping for the best in his recovery. Um, that does it for Steelers talk. Unless you got anything else, we'll take a quick break and, and come right back and talk about uh, the Penguins. Just really one thing, I guess, to talk about a subtopic off of that first thing, but we'll be right back to talk about that. Don't go anywhere.
uh, as we get into the dog days of the NHL offseason, uh, we we're coming down to the wire here with arbitration for Drew O'Connor, but the team and Drew O'Connor agreed to a two year deal. $925,000 per was very happy to see uh, it under a million and was very happy to see a second year attached to it as well. Um, giving, getting him for two years as opposed to just one. So yeah. we don't have to go through this like entire process again next year uh, with a guy who I think is a very serviceable NHL player. I think he can certainly fit into the bottom six. I guess the question is, is he anything more than that? Um, I don't know that he's going to get a shot to figure that out this year, um, but certainly to me looks like an NHL player. Yeah, and we don't necessarily need him to be more than that. Um, right now, well, that's what we're looking for, to be completely honest. We're looking for serviceable bottom six guys that can play night in and night out at a, at a higher level than what we saw last season. Um, the, 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 the number itself, the $925,000, I was honestly surprised that they agreed on that just because I figured if it went to arbitration, uh, Drew O'Connor would have been getting like I think I said like between one and one and a half yeah. million, even though exactly. I don't think that he necessarily should have gotten that. That's just how I feel like the arbiter would have decided it. Um, so I am, I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was sub 1 million and to see that it was for two years. This is the guy that I want to be full time in the bottom six. Now, like I don't really care who has to sit outside of it. I want Drew O'Connor to get a, a, a full crack at a bottom six. So whether, whether that's on the third line or fourth line, Probably start out on the fourth line, I would anticipate. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there as the season goes along. But it's a guy that I am a, a more excited about than than most of the other players that we saw for the majority of last season. I, I am anticipating to see him uh, in a more elevated role. And by, by elevated, I mean just be more full-time role at the NHL level, which we really haven't gotten. We got more of it last year, but not still on that full-time basis where like we knew entering the season that he was going to be in that on that fourth line. So I would anticipate that going into the season, he will be penciled in on that fourth line on one of the wings, probably the left wing of the fourth line. Um, but you never know. I mean, things, things definitely could change, but I just feel like once, once this deal got done um, now, I feel like Drew O'Connor is not going to be traded. We were, we had talked about that, that could he be packaged in a trade? I would say that that is a no as of right now, and uh, he's going to be definitely in a, a full time role at least to start the season. I mean, who knows? He he might not he might not play up to what we think his potential could be, but I'm ex- anticipate I'm anxious to find out of of what Drew O'Connor could be in a full time role. I think what's interesting is you start like piecing together the bottom six, and maybe like I said, the subtopic plays into it because now agreeing to this. And three days on Saturday, a 48-hour buyout window opens up for the Penguins again. Um, is that a way to, I mean, we've talked about it before. Obviously, Kyle Dubas' last resort was going to be a buyout. But I feel like we're kind of at that point. Like, okay, I get that you held on to Grandland this long in hopes that like a trade would form where you could shed that salary. Clearly, that's not taking place. I, I think you got to utilize this buyout window. I think so, too. You, you clear the near $4.8 million of cap um, or, or near $4 million of cap that you would have for this season. I I think that look at what the cap projection of like their cap space right now, they're like negative 3 million as of right now, you would, you would be in, in out of the red in terms of that. And it would allow you to play some of the guys and not have to figure out what, okay, what, how are we going to shuffle these lines around? Um, it gets rid of a body in that bottom six, because like we mentioned a few weeks ago, like, they've brought in a lot of bottom six bodies um, and, and it's a curious, how are they going to play them all? I, there was the hope and everybody hoped, and I still hoped, and I don't even want to bring up the name because we brought, talked about him a ton the past several weeks that somehow Mikhail Granlund would be shipped off in an Eric Carlson trade. Well, as mm-hmm. of right now, that trade has not happened. And I don't think that you can let this buyout window pass still hoping that 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 trade could happen and if that trade does happen i would say jeff petrie's gone not even mikhail granlin so i don't think that they can let this window pass i i just i have no idea how you can go into the season it, despite dubas's past affuation aff, 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 affection for uh affection that's the word i was looking for yeah, I was like, what, what um, the, his past affection for Mikhail Granlin, because it was like rumored that he wanted to to trade for him a couple years ago in Toronto. I don't mm-hmm. think that you can allow yourself to let him be iced 
one at the term or the money that he has and the cap that he's taking up. Two, you look at what he did in his stint in Pittsburgh last year, absolutely nothing. And then three, you brought in so many guys, it's like you're basically taking away one of the spots that uh, from a new guy that you could be playing. So I just don't think there's any way possible that they could do this. I understand the buyout would suck, especially whenever you're owing him after this year, it'd be like $1.8 million for the next like four years in a row. But I genuinely think that you have a better option of buying him out and, and making your team better in that sense than ju- and just deal with your cap restrictions with the, the seasons to come. I don't know if I, if I'm the GM, I don't know how I justify keeping him past that buyout window. I mean, let's talk about some of the bottom six guys they've brought in. Like for sure that we know we're going to play Eller and Achari for sure. Nieto, I would assume. Yeah. We've talked about the OC getting a two year deal. Nylander's still here. Jeff Carter's here. Right now, Granlin's here. Then they brought in some guys that are like, you know, fringe, like that could play in the bottom six. Vinny Hinostraza, Andreas Janssen, Redeem Zahorna. Like they they just signed a bunch of guys that could potentially play in the bottom six. Like something's got to give here. And if you're talking about taking their best six, I don't know if we're gonna, going to agree on this. Um, well, I say best six, but like I really don't see a way that Carter's not involved. In well, that's that. the thing. So, like, best I'm... six with the asterisk of Carter has to be played because he's not going. Yeah, anywhere. yeah. So, uh, but Carter on the wing, right. Eller and Achari would be the centers. Carter would be on one of the wings. Um, Nylander, Doc, Nieto. I, I agree. Yeah. That's that. That's their best bottom six right now. I think. And I'll be maybe... honest. If it's not, if it's not. <sighs> I'm still, I don't even, I'm going to probably get flamed for this. Uh, he's. I, I get that he's very old, should not have been playing the way that he was. Carter could still probably score you 15 to 18 goals playing on the wing. Like, yeah. I don't hate it, it as much. If as you take away his defensive responsibility of being a center, it's yeah. more tolerable of him being out there if he's on the wing. Yeah. So what I was just saying is I probably as crazy as it sounds do include him right now in their best six. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree. Johnson or Hino Straza, those would be the only two that maybe push for that, depending on how they look. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It was like, we don't know how a lot of these guys are going to look, but I agree. Those, those six names are in your best. And if, if that's the thing, if Granlin's still here, he's not in those six names. I would put like Andreas Johnson above him. Uh, in in who are your best bottom six forwards? So, yeah, I just I, I we talked about this was a sub topic, but we're talking about it more than DOC. Like, there's just no way that you can you can keep this dude on your roster. He he does nothing. I don't know another way to say it. He literally does nothing out there. He doesn't really generate anything. He's bad defensively. He just he's just kind of skating when he's out there. He doesn't generate any offense. So, yeah, I, 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 they need to buy him out. That, that's the sum of sum up of this this conversation is just they they just need to buy yeah. him out so they can play his their best bottom six that they can put together. Yeah, I'm very curious as to if that's the route that they go at this point. Again, Kyle Dubas, I mean, only Dubas was one very of- vocal against it. Yeah, but I, I think that when push comes to shove, even though you don't love it, you got to do what's best for your team. I'm proud maybe, of her. Maybe you quickly mentioned the name Eric Carlson, but we really didn't talk about that. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. We're, we, we were maturing on this podcast happens. before your very eyes. We mm-hmm. we can talk about the Penguins without talking about Eric Carlson. But I just, I, I want it to be over, man. Like, boy almighty, wait till he is. And a if penguin. it's, then we're going to talk about it a ton. <laughs> it, it's, it's like if he's going to, if he's not going to go somewhere, whatever, if he's going to go somewhere else, whatever. I just if if he's not going to be a penguin, I think they that they have to do something else before the season starts. So that's why I want it to be over with. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But and and that's the tough part is like we talked about Plan Bs. There's not really any good ones. <laughs> there's just no. there's just more swallowable ones than others. Yeah, 
unless you're talking like but uh, the Noah Hannafin thing really doesn't make sense to me he plays on the other other side like he plays on the left side then and also just one year left at 4.5 milli before I just say milli mil milli. before you're gonna have to uh 4.5 yeah, of him <laughs> and uh that's gonna be a lot of money that I don't foresee them shelling out like it, it's a one-year rental basically I just I don't know that that makes sense I don't think so either and then like the other name that was brought up Matt Dumba I don't really I the way I described it was <laughs> I mean that's basically how I described it was I do not think that the um the off the the, the defensive lack of play from Dumba is not off offset like by his offense like it is with Carlson. That's how it that's how it's more tolerable with Carlson is you're okay if he doesn't really play that good of defense because one you'd expect him to be played with Marcus Pedersen and he would make up for some of that slack and two I mean he could score mm-hmm. like 100 points in a season. So it's a little different than Dumba who's you would be expecting to score maybe like 50 points in a season and that's like that would be a really good season from Dumba I feel like. It's mm-hmm. it's not the same whenever you when you're comparing like and contrasting what you're giving and what you're taking. Yeah. Uh, just figure it out. I want this saga to end. Um, this segment's gonna end. We're gonna stop talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and talk about the MLB trade deadline just passed and uh, the Pirates, as they do every year, traded away some players. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates made some moves uh, since the last episode. Five players that were on the team no longer are. One of those happened, I believe, the day after we recorded. It wasn't on trade deadline day, but Carlos Santana traded the one to that the we Brewers. said we didn't think was going to leave. Yeah. We, well, okay. So we thought it was between Santana and or Choi. They traded both. So typical Pirates fashion. They really I just said screw first base. We're not really worried about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pittsburgh Clothing <laughs> Company tweeted the clip from Moneyball where uh, Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean is like, right now, if, the ball, if there's a grounder hit to first base, nobody's going to be there to stop it. <laughs> uh, so you got Connor Joe playing there right now. Um, Alfonso Rivas, who was part of the Padres trade, probably will play first base. Um, he'll be It's going to be a platoon situation that's not going to be a very good one. Um but okay, so looking at these deals, Carlos Santana to the Brewers for an 18-year-old shortstop, Johnny Severino. Um, Rich Hill and G-Man Choi both go to the Padres in a deal for three players. Jackson Wolf, a left-handed pitcher who is 24 years old. He made his major league debut, but he was actually sent to Altoona here, not even Indy. Uh, Alfonso Rivas, who's going to come up and play some games in the majors, it sounds like. He mm-hmm. looks like he's a quad A player. Um He's like a 300 hitter in AAA, and then he gets to the majors and can't hit, uh, which is great. Uh, and He'll then fit right in. Yeah. Estuar Suero, who is the, I guess, prize of the deal, if you will. Um, actually, Fangraphs really likes this deal for the Pirates because they have Suero and Wolf as the number 10 and 11 prospects in the Padres system. So to get those two guys for you know a couple months of Rich Hill and G-Man Choi, they thought the Pirates did pretty well. But Suero is not even 18 years old yet. Um, they traded Rodolfo Castro, which was kind of the one we wouldn't have really seen coming, uh, for yeah. a left-handed pitcher, Bailey Falter, who has absolutely god-awful numbers this year. Oh, um, I looked at them. Did you They're see? terrible. Okay, I was, yeah, I was going to bring, um, let me see if I could find them real quick right here. Yeah, he's, so we talk about pitching records all the time, like that's whatever, but he is 0-7, which is pretty crazy, <laughs> with a 5-13 ERA in eight games, seven starts with Philly this season. Eight walks to twenty-eight strikeouts in forty innings. Well, that, and that means that, like, in his seven starts, he lost all of them. He didn't even get a no decision. Like, yeah, <laughs> he he lost all of his games that he pitched in. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, in a way, maybe he'll fit right in too. But I just think that we we traded for a lot of players that we we were going to fit the Pittsburgh Pirate mold. <laughs> that's that's what we were really getting down to. I'll, I'll be honest, the Caster one's the one that made the least sense to me. Um, for Bailey Falter, I just because Castro's still young. I know he's been very um, disappointing this season and very frustrating. But like at the very least, he looks like a guy that can you know platoon and play against lefties. 
Um, I'm not sure what you're getting from from Bailey Falter. So I, I thought that one made the least amount of sense. It was the most head scratching. It's not like something to be like up in arms about, I don't think, but it's a weird trade for the oh, Pirates pissed. to make, I thought. Uh, Austin Hedges going for international pool money to the Rangers. The Rangers, like, that's a good, like, the Rangers are 16 games over 500, or actually they were entering today. I don't know if they won or lost, if they played. But, and they traded for Austin Hedges. That just goes to show you, like, that is what he brings to the table is certainly valuable, just not to the Pirates. Like, he's not a guy that should play every single day. He's not a guy that you like. It just doesn't matter to the Rangers that he provides no offense. They're getting him for what he brings in terms of pitch framing. That's a good point. Uh, that that on a certain team he is valuable. Um, yeah. And when you when you have a team that can make up for the lack of offense you're getting, it's it's more palpable to be able to to take a guy like that on. And I mean, it was it would say it's kind of like whenever we would. And granted, I think he provided more offense, but he still um, wasn't that great. But like whenever Garrett Cole would pitch and we'd start Chris Stewart, like we knew that we were going to get the lack of lack of offensive production that we weren't going to get whenever like Cervelli was starting. But from what you got out of one out of Cole, because Cole was different whenever Chris Stewart was catcher. Um, And then two, like what you got defensively from him, it was it was okay. So and that was when the Pirates were good. So I think it was it was when you're in a better lineup, it's, it's easier to bury that guy in the lineup and it's not as I can't hard believe to hide it. You made a Chris Stewart reference the same day the pirates broadcasted. He legit just got brought up today because somebody had like a hit that like just a, a ball, like a baseball that had eyes and stuck into the outfield. And Bob watch said it reminded him of, he was like, who's the guy that would always for us get a base hit and then point to his helmet. And great route was Chris Stewart. So in the same day that they made a Chris Stewart reference, we did on here too. I just thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly teams that he provides value for. Texas is one of them. I mean, good for these guys. You look around Santana to the Brewers, Hill and Choi to the Padres, Hedges to the Rangers, and Castro to the Phillies. Like they all went, of course, like teams are, are buyers at the deadline, but they all went to right. have a shot. Like these are good teams they went to. So good for them. I hope it works out. Yeah, me too. Also, cu- I'm just curious. So this one kid, the the Suero, Estuar Suero kid, yeah. can is he not in the at least according to MLB pipeline? Is he not in the Pirates prospects because he's 17 years old? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's just a, not. I don't know if that's a thing. Because the if he's the winner, like Jackson Wolf was put as the mm-hmm. 17th ranked prospect um okay. for the Pirates system. So, so I was like, I wasn't, so I wasn't sure if maybe it's just like an age thing. Like he's not in, I wouldn't think so. Yet. Maybe they just don't like him as much as fan drafts or something. Cause like I said, fan drafts, that, that, that could be the case. Fan drafts had them as 10 and 11 in the Padre system. I'm not sure where they'll slot in for the pirates on fan drafts, but, but you know, Paul Skeens isn't in our, in our prospect system yet either, according to MLB.com. So, oh, okay. Um, well, I don't know. I maybe it's like, just because he hasn't been assigned yet to, mm-hmm. to a team. Paul Skeens probably isn't going to be on this list. He's just going to be immediately deemed not a prospect. <laughs> yeah. Henry Davis just recently graduated prospect status. Uh, to, to, we don't know what any of these players really are going to be for the most part. Um, to get the, you know, a couple of, I feel like, high-end lottery tickets and Johnny Severino and Suero, like, I thought the Pirates actually did okay on the surface with what they got. Yeah. It's just, it sucks that Every single year we're talking about this, though. Like, when is it going to be time for them to be on the other end of this? Hopefully 2024. You know, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you give credit where credit's due, where they, they did a, a, what it seems like a decent job in, in what you got, especially on like a guys that were on a lot of one-year contracts. Like, you, you want to mm-hmm. get value from those guys, and that's what they got. But at the same time, you're right. Like, we don't want to have to be in this cycle forever. We eventually want to be the buyers or I'll even settle for just staying pat. Like we feel good about where we're at when we're just not going to sell anything, but we're not going to buy either. I'd take that. And in, in next, next season, um, you know, it, I, I'm, what, what's, what's got to change. This is going to be probably, you know, I, I never mind because I said this last year, so I can't say it two years in a row. Cause it's just going to be like, Oh, you should just say it every year. I was going to say, I feel like this is the most important off season the pirates have had. Like, 
basically in our lifetimes because of the way that they're talking about how 2024 is going to be. They have to go out and show that like with what they have right now on the roster, they need to have a big off season. They need to be willing to spend to fill in the pieces of what's on the roster. Obviously, if you're really like, I feel really good about Brian Reynolds bouncing back next year. I, I really think that this is just a lot due to health. He's just been a weird season. T. Bryan, I think you got to manage him better going forward. But you got Henry, you got Endy. I think that you got some pieces here. You have Cruz coming back next season. You do have Cruz. You hopefully you have Cruz coming back for a little bit this year, just to give us something yeah. to watch in September. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, that's I'd... the thing. All these young guys are here because what we talked about—the difference between this offseason and last offseason—they weren't here yet. But all the young guys that we had talked about coming up this season, they're here. So you have to build on top of that. And that's the difference that they're going to have this offseason. And that's that's how it could be be still very important, but slightly different than what they dealt with this past offseason. Where it was like the, the team they, they built to start the season was more, more or less buying time for all these guys to get to this point. Now they're here. Like if, if and they, they've they stayed up here, and despite their struggles, I feel like they're going to stay up here, um, and and, and they're going to figure it out. And I I think that there's a lot of change that needs to happen at the MLB level. Like we've mentioned several times on this show, why is Andy Haynes still employed by the Pirates? What's he doing to 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 help this team whatsoever? Um, but yeah, there's so there's going to be change. There's got to be change. I feel like, but at the end of the day, the, it's it's different because those guys are up here they're going to stay here like the henry davis andy rodriguez nick gonzalez um layover poguero like all those guys i feel like starting next season they're just going to start at the mlb level there's no let's go back down to triple a so we're building on top of that and i feel like that's the the main the main thing is like we have our young core now and we have our guys that we have under contract or bigger contracts that are our are, are, are core in that sense now you just need to build on top of them and this, the Pirates have, have done a poor job of building on top of key pieces that they've had. Not that they've had a lot of pieces but in, before in the first place, but I feel like in most off-seasons, they've done a poor job of building on top of it to get them over a hump. That's going to be the difference that we have to see this upcoming off-season is can they get over this hump with this young core? I'm looking at, like, upcoming free agents. Not a very strong class, really. I mean, obviously, you got Otani, so, but, like, I'm going down the list here. Not a great class. I hope a guy like Eduardo Re Rodriguez, who we just saw today pitch for Detroit, opts out. Um, I think he would be interesting. And I'm just really looking at pitching right now. Aaron Nola, mm, I, I think he's going in the wrong direction. I mean, looking he's at pitching would make sense because of yeah. the way this season has gone. Blake Snell is a free agent. He's going to be 31, though. I mean, we signed a 41-year-old this past offseason. Yeah, and that's so. I, I, I say that, but it's like so you have to basically be in the majors for six years before you can hit free agency anyway. So, like, how much younger? Most of these guys are in their 30s. Yeah. The, I mean, super, super young to be hitting free agency. Julio Urias from the Dodgers is hitting free agency this year. Was he, like, 26, 27? Yeah. 26 man it must be nice to see prospects come up that young <laughs> yeah who knows i mean we'll see paul Skeens pretty soon he's about to be 27 but still yeah i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see it might have to be something they look at trade wise though more so than free agency they could i'm interested to see it because like the pirates have the uh, I don't know according to what site, but Pirates have the number one farm system in baseball right now. I think that was fan graphs, but I also, they were still, I don't know if that was fully updated though, because they only had 81 players listed in their top 100 at the time. I don't think they were done oh, okay. putting everybody's, but I, don't, I didn't see anything since then to like show that they weren't. So yeah, they at one point at least were, and you got, you know, a couple guys that should help that ranking, I would think. The Padres, especially at least with Fangraphs, what they're what the the way they're yeah. talking about and that the was trade. on that was on Fangraphs, I believe that you're talking yeah. about. So they probably do have the number one. Although Davis has graduated since, 
So all we have to do is trust the buck and process. That's 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 what it boils down to. Trust the buck and process. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. We'll see what 2024 brings. I mean, obviously, it's not happening in 2023. So yeah. we'll see what happens. The 2024 offseason is going to be very telling into where they feel like this team's at. But I just, with the way that 2023 has gone, I don't know how you could be super hopeful that magically all of a sudden you're going to be contending the next year. Unless they really are putting that in. And I get it. Like, O'Neill Cruz, you lost him for basically the season. That mm-hmm. was going to be a huge contributor for you. You had spasms so, with Cabrian and Reynolds. Like, there was different times of them being out of the lineup. There, there's excuses. That's that's what they have. They have they have excuses to sell to people. But in the same in the same breath, I would say you, you need to be more prepared for that than they were. Yeah, to be able to make up for those guys going down. Obviously, you're not going to replace a guy like O'Neill Cruz or Brian Reynolds or T. Brian Hayes, but you got to have something there in terms. And of that's why I said they're excuses. I w- I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say they're reasons. Uh, Cruz being out for as long as he was, that could be a reason, partially, but like. There's a yeah. lot of excuses. But, the way that you know, they could also em- decide to employ more than one major league shortstop for you know six months eh, or whatever nah, it was. Nah, so. nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's all I got. So, yep. We can get out of here in sub sub one hour. So, yeah. There we go. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave us a comment down below. Let us know how you feel about. Anything that we talked about in this episode, anything that you would like to see in the future, leave us some questions. We'll talk about it on the next episode, all that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review if you were listening somewhere that's not YouTube. And, of course, check out those links in the description of the show. We got Rock Around the 412 going on, our yearly Christmas mission. We raised $25,000 in the first five years of doing so. Super excited from this point on to be partnering with the East Rochester Salvation Army and adopting kids from their angel tree in the name of our friend Dalton Keene, who tragically passed away last last october so really good stuff going on here we launched that in july we've gotten a few donations so far we're a little over 1200 dollars raised to this point which is great keep it coming um and yeah we're really excited about it at some point down the line you guys will start to see me get the prizes in i'll put screenshots up of what those prizes are uh for people that donate always enjoy doing that as well just a way to give back to you guys for being so generous and giving christmas to these kids so stay on the lookout for that check out everything custom designs by our friend Haley wagner actually cooking up a couple of t-shirt designs for me right now um she's making a henry davis shirt if you guys like see like the shirts that i'm real into right now are like those modern vintage ones where it's like four or five different pictures of the player and it says their name um so she's making me a henry davis one and an alex highsmith one so Super excited to see how those turn out. Um, So, yeah, check that out. Other than that, for Tyler, I'm Smitty. This has been Around the 412. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.